Who is not hungry at Thanksgiving? The turkey, because he's already stuffed. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome to Starting Sustainability, episode 106, the Friendsgiving episode. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Happy holidays to everyone. And I say that because on Halloween, the evening of Halloween at 9 p.m., right after trick-or-treating, I tucked my exhausted children into bed. I sat down to sew a few buttons on my husband's favorite flannel shirt because they had all popped off. (laughs) They were poorly attached to begin with the first place. So I got to hand stitch them all back on, saving the shirt and extending its life. Anyway, that night on TV at 9 p.m. came Christmas commercials. I kid you not. Halloween wasn't even over with yet. Apparently, that's the official kickoff to the holiday season. I personally feel like Thanksgiving is the kickoff to the holiday season, but what do I know about marketing and sales? Like I said at the very beginning of this episode, we hosted our first ever Friendsgiving. And so today we're going to review how we did. We did our best to make it as zero waste and sustainable as possible. Were we successful in the zero part of the zero waste? No, none at all. (laughs) There are definitely some failures and a lot of successes. And so I want to share our adventures in hosting Friendsgiving with you because I've talked about on the podcast in the past how to go about hosting something and the sustainable tips I could come up with, but never truly actually did it myself. I've always been the guest. So now I've been the host and I definitely have a whole new viewpoint on it. And I wanted to share with you how it all went down, what worked and what didn't work and lessons learned. Everyone that was invited, how did they respond to a zero waste Thanksgiving? So here it is, here's the breakdown. This year, for the first time ever, we hosted a Friendsgiving. I created the official Facebook Messenger group and added in members, instead of mailing paper invitations with RSVP cards. I was upfront on the invite and stated, Hello everyone, we will attempt to host our first ever Friendsgiving on November 13th and you are the guinea pigs, I mean the chosen ones. (laughs) And in true Kaylin fashion, we will aim for as sustainable and zero waste as possible. We will provide the main protein and everyone brings a side and their own drinks and reusable Tupperwares for leftovers. That was it. That was the official invite. Short, sweet, to the point, told them how it was going to be. When planning this out, my husband and I decided to have everyone bring their own drinks because we didn't want to guess at which ones to buy and have a whole bunch of beverages left over that we don't really like. (laughs) I also want to note that not everyone who was invited is sustainably conscious and therefore I did clarify that glass and canned beverages like beer cans and growlers totally counted as sustainable. And the guys were all very excited to hear that, mostly because it gave them an excuse to go out and get more beer, (laughs) as long as it came in a growler or was local or something like that. I am proud of my husband, so I'm going to brag on him. He did some research and he found a local meat market to buy the meat. And at the meat market, the meat was sourced from local farmers and wrapped in butcher paper instead of styrofoam and plastic. And he wanted to smoke the meats on his smoker and picked out the smoked bourbon turkey and barbecued pork shoulder to be shredded and turned into pulled pork. He picked out those recipes. The sustainable part of me really wanted to offer a plant-based protein like lentils, but if my husband is willing to research a meat market, 
pick a non-beef item and going to do the cooking or the smoking, then I'm not going to object in any way. (laughs) It has been a very long, slow road getting him on board the sustainability train. So we're just going to celebrate (laughs) and be gracious and thankful for the participation. That was the plan anyways. The day before the event, he still hadn't gone to the meat market because we both kept forgetting about it. And it turns out you have to place an order ahead of time and it was way too late. So he ended up going to the grocery store and getting the turkey and pork shoulder there because he only has so much patience. (laughs) I say that because I was like, let me call some other meat markets and call around and we can try this town and that town and all these places that are really far away. And he was like, no, we're out of time. I'm just going to go to the grocery store that's literally like two blocks from our house. So that's okay. (laughs) He went there to buy them and then it dawned on us the turkey is frozen and we're cooking it tomorrow. So we ended up having to substitute chicken anyways. So already off to a great start. (laughs) All the meat was factory farm and came wrapped in plastic. (laughs) As far as planning logistics, we knew our house was small and couldn't fit a whole lot of people. Plus, since we're planning to use real napkins, cups, utensils, we had to keep the guest count down in order to have enough of all these items and not have to run out and buy a whole bunch. We ended up inviting a family of four and a family of six, plus the four of us made it a grand total of 14 in the house. The youngest was two months old and on mama's milk, so I didn't have to worry about a plate napkins for her. (laughs) So 13 total. (laughs) We did have enough cloth napkins and we have a really nice set of dishes from our wedding and we do use them on a daily basis, but there are only eight large plates. Luckily, there are seven adults. (laughs) Made it. That leaves six children, and we have exactly six kids' place. Also made it. (laughs) The napkins, cutlery, and kids' plates definitely did not coordinate or match, but nobody really cared. They were all excited to use real plates. Seriously, using paper plates at large gatherings like holiday celebrations when there's so much good food, it really sucks. (laughs) The plate doesn't hold very much. All of your food is smashed together, trying to get it all to fit in. And then when you eat with the plastic utensils on the paper plate, you have to balance out using more pressure to cut the food or to get the food onto your fork. But you also have to be careful not to break the plastic knife or fork and not to push so hard that you cut the paper plate itself. It's awful. I really don't like it. I very much enjoy real dishes. The other part to plan and think through was seating. Our dining room table seats four. That leaves nine others that I had to accommodate for. We have two folding card tables and four chairs. So we pulled the foldable lawn chairs as well. (laughs) So definitely mix and match on the tables and chairs, but everybody had a seat. I did find tablecloths, real fabric tablecloths that my mom actually made for me way back when I was in college and had my first apartment when I bought the first folding card table and chairs because that was my dining room table at that moment in time. So my mom made me these beautiful tablecloths to make me feel better about having such low quality furniture (laughs) when I was trying to be a big girl and do it all on my own, but had zero money. (laughs) But my mom's awesome that way. And then the second card table ended up coming from, somebody gifted it to me, actually. They had it, it was very well used. And they gave it to me because they knew I was doing craft fairs at that time and needed more tables to set my stuff out on. So that's how I had the second table and no bonus chairs, just the table. (laughs) So we just stole the chairs from outside. All was good. Planning out a sustainably focused Friendsgiving 
was a challenge. So far, we're doing so good. The next part was entertainment. I personally hate parties or gatherings where there is a whole bunch of food and that is it. It's a whole bunch of people who don't know each other that well and definitely a lot of kids coming to our house. We needed true entertainment. Ideally, we would have gone outside in the backyard because we have a pond to go fishing in. We could have played cornhole, football to toss around. But the weather, of course, was cold, windy, and crummy. So, so cold. So I planned on indoor activities as well. First was making decorations. I don't have any since I've never hosted Thanksgiving before. So I planned for the kids to make decorations while the adults set up the food. We used construction paper that I already had on hand. I have no idea how old it was, but it was definitely very faded on one side <laughs> and really bright on the other. So it was pretty old. And we made turkey headbands for the kids to wear. Thank you, Pinterest. <laughs> and then these would turn into single-use decorations, but held a triple purpose. Entertainment, decorations, and then a fire starter for later on that evening. I do own multiple glue sticks, but on the day of, I could only find one glue stick. And that one glue stick was not fast enough for all the children. So eventually scotch tape was brought out in a rescue attempt. And it definitely did work, but in my opinion, counted as a strike against zero plastic because now you have tape. That's a plastic thing. <laughs> the good news is the kids absolutely loved their headbands so much they kept them on. And they didn't actually make it to the tables for centerpieces. But honestly, that's a pretty good sign. That means I did something right. We ended up not having any decorations at all, but that's okay. <laughs> they just wore them on their heads. In terms of food, remember I did the Facebook group chat and everybody was in there together. So we announced that we would be providing the proteins and everybody else discussed which items they would bring. And the day before, I realized nobody was bringing dessert. So I went out and bought two boxes of vanilla pudding because it's all cardboard and paper and that would count as fire kindling, so zero waste, and a can of pumpkin, which is completely recyclable. And yes, I made pumpkin pudding, and that stuff is delicious. <laughs> I also bought a carton of whipping cream so I could make homemade whipped cream to put on top of the pudding. I did the carton versus the aerosol can. So another point in terms of sustainability, very excited about this. I've never made whipped cream from scratch before, so I just put it in a bowl and Turned the mixer onto high, and it worked until I licked the beater. It tasted terrible. <laughs> I think I was supposed to add in sugar or something. I, I don't know. But uh, the guests were arriving right at that moment when I was whipping up the whipped cream, so I never got to go back and fix it. Family A arrived first. I'm saying that to protect their names. So we'll just have family A and family B. So family A actually came 30 minutes early, and family B came 45 minutes late but it all worked out very, very well. My kids and family A's kids are all about the same age, really, really little, like four and under. So they got to make the turkey headbands and play with all of my kids' toys for a while while we set up and waited on family B to come. When family B arrived, we made all the food, got it all set up, and everybody got to eat. Family A brought corn casserole, which is my favorite, by the way, so shout out on that. Sweet potato casserole, apple cheesecake, and a pumpkin bunt cake. And they were all made at home. And her desserts were way more impressive than my last minute pumpkin pudding, so mine just stayed in the fridge. <laughs> Family A did wonderful. They had everything in real casserole dishes with aluminum foil covers packed inside of reused Amazon cardboard boxes and wrapped in towels inside of a plastic tote 
Why did they go through all of this trouble to pack it like that? Because they had a two hour drive and they were trying to keep everything hot and succeeded. So I was very, very impressed. They had also planned on bringing a growler of local beer, but the husband ended up working long days, like until 10 p.m. every single night that week and never really got a chance to go get the growlers. No worries, my husband had it covered. (laughs) Another area my husband excels in, local beer, (laughs) along with meat. Family B ended up having to run a whole bunch of errands and made a lot of stops along their one and a half hour drive, which is why they ended up being late, which is totally okay. They ended up bringing all of their ingredients with them and just made the food in my kitchen. They did use their stasher bags for the ingredients, They used all of them until they ran out. Then they had to use Ziploc. So they did what they could, and that's okay. That's the purpose of this. That's what I titled this, As Sustainable As Possible. It's not gonna be completely zero waste. We're just gonna do the best that we can. But I was impressed because they prepared everything fresh and from scratch. They made green beans, they got them fresh, not canned or frozen in a big plastic bag. They got the fresh naked green beans with their produce bags, and they avoided the canned fried onions that go on top because they made fried onions from scratch as well, which was really cool. They also made macaroni and cheese from scratch as well, and they brought all of their own cookware too, so they didn't have to borrow my dishes, which meant I didn't have to wash them, (laughs) so I was happy about that. I forgot to tell you, one hour before the event started, my husband asked about buns for the pulled pork, to which I said, No, we don't have buns. Well, is anybody bringing them? No, I don't think we even need the buns. So you're telling me it's just gonna be a pile of meat on the plate? And I said, yeah, (laughs) there's gonna be a ton of food. We're really not going to need buns. He had to make a trip to the store to buy hickory and apple wood chips for the smoker. By the way, huge shout out to Channing on this. He started the pork shoulder at midnight on the coldest night of the season so far, 30 degrees. It even started snowing at 2 a.m. Yes, that was the very first snow of the season. (laughs) This was on November 13th. And he got up every single hour to check on the meat and make sure that it would be ready in time for the Friendsgiving event. So now that he is asking about the buns, after receiving approximately four to five hours of sleep in total, all broken up in little tiny naps, and was kind of getting panicky about it, so I just said, Go ahead and get the buns, that's fine. Even though I knew they were gonna be wrapped in plastic, which is another strike against this zero waste sustainability Thanksgiving, that's okay. (laughs) So thank you to Channing for taking care of the meat all night long, and he went and got the buns, and he went and got the wood, and all was fine. Fast forward back now to the actual event. It is officially meal time. Nobody remembered to bring their own drinks. Even though it was on the invitation, that's okay. I did have enough cups and glasses on hand, luckily. Started to get a little scarce on beverages. It was very limited to basically water and milk and crystal light, and that was it. We don't drink soda in our household. But don't worry, everybody got something to drink. Also, everybody used the real plates, cutlery, cloth napkins, and serving utensils. Everyone ate the food and said it was so delicious. So the meal was beautiful, went off without a hitch. It was excellent. Taking a step back, when we were planning Friendsgiving, Channing actually came up with the idea of painting Christmas ornaments, and I really liked that idea. Because that way, after the meal, it was super easy entertainment. Ornaments would be used year after year. Kids can do that while the adults are cleaning up. 
I found a recipe on Pinterest again. <laughs> I promise I'm not getting paid by Pinterest to do this. I just really like Pinterest, especially when I'm trying to plan stuff out. Pinterest will come up with everything that I haven't thought of yet. So I found a recipe on Pinterest for salt dough ornaments. It literally is just salt and flour and a little bit of water and you smash it into whatever ornament shape you want. You can do like hand prints in it, which was the plan or paw prints for your animals, whatever you want to do. And then you bake it in the oven. It takes about one to two hours to bake in the oven to dry out. So we're gonna have to do those early in the festivities. However, on the day of, <laughs> the kids were insanely riled up even though the meal was scheduled for noon, we didn't actually get to eating until almost 2 p.m. So the timing did not work out on the salt dough ornaments because we weren't gonna have enough time to bake them. And we just went straight to games for entertainment because those kids were clearly not eating enough of the tryptophan laced turkey to slow them down. <laughs> the sugar effects from the desserts were in full swing for sure. It honestly, it was great. I absolutely loved it. Those kids were high energy, but I had a blast with them. I ended up taking the kids into the living room area and started playing games while the other adults cleaned up. Everyone packed up leftovers in the Tupperware that they brought to reduce food waste and everyone pitched in to wash dishes. We had an empty dishwasher ready to go and instructed everyone that when they are done, scrape their plates onto this one special plate that was going to be destined for the compost pile, rinse off their plates and add them to the dishwasher. And nobody had a problem with that. They were very happy to help. Many times people are unsure of what to do at a gathering and they'll offer to help the host and hostess and the host and hostess feels obligated to say, no, you relax, I got this. But having been the hostess, it is really stressful cleaning the entire house, setting everything up, not burning the food, and then after the meal you have to wash all of the dishes. That is why people switched over to paper plates and disposables in the first place, because it made for a much simpler cleanup, and I get it. The lesson I've learned is that when others offer to help, let them. <laughs> and then cleanup will be simple again, and you won't have to worry about all that waste going straight to the landfill. You can be sustainable and low stress. Just let others help, perfectly okay. During the cleanup, the kids played a game called high dive. This is where they stood on a chair. Don't worry, the adults were there as, uh, what do you call that, like a safety guard or a spotter. There we go, adults were there as a spotter to make sure nobody fell off a chair. And they had to take shelled peanuts and drop them into a mason jar and they would race. So I had two chairs, two kids at a time, racing each other with peanuts and mason jars. They had to stand there and drop it into the mason jar. They raced to see who could be the first one to get five peanuts in the jar first. And because we did this two kids at a time, we kept rotating kids, which made it take longer because we're trying to make each game last as long as possible while the adults are cleaning up. And it was great because the two kids that were racing were up on the chairs and then all the other children were down on the ground grabbing all the peanuts that did not make it into the mason jar and handing them back up. So it really did help entertain all of the children at the same time, which was wonderful. That's what I was going for. This game was originally designed for clothespins and mason jars, but I didn't have any clothespins on hand, so I had to improvise. That's why we did shelled peanuts. So you can do whatever the heck you want. <laughs> to be honest, I did plan an activity where you would take wire and form it into a circle, like a six inch diameter circle, making like a, a large donut or a small wreath, and you'd string the shelled peanuts onto the wire, making it a peanut wreath. And then you hang it on the tree because now it is a squirrel feeder. Trying to be as sustainable as possible, I found old coat hangers that were made of wire. You know, like the wire hangers that everybody hates. Yeah, I have a bunch of those. And because I hate them, I was trying to figure out how I could use these. 
I have so many of those on hand. So I took some of those, cut the wire, and tried to put the peanuts on, and very quickly discovered, this is like 10, 15 minutes before everybody showed up, discovered that it, the wire is way too thick and it is very hard to get the peanuts shoved on through the wire. I needed a smaller gauge wire and it was too late at that point to go out and find any anywhere. That's what I had on hand and it was too thick. Since the object of this was to entertain the kids and it was gonna be way too hard to get the peanuts onto the wire, this now became an adult activity. <laughs> so we scrapped it because I was like, now this is entertaining the adults and nobody's watching the children run amok. So <laughs> that one got scrapped. We didn't end up making the peanut wreaths, but that is something that you can do if you have the appropriate gauge wire. Since I had a bunch of peanuts on hand, that's why I use those for the high dive game. And the other thing that I want to point out, this is what I learned about the high dive game. It turns out my dog Ruger loves shelled peanuts. I had no idea. As the peanuts were going all over the floor, he kept going around lapping them up, biting into them, crushing up the shell, spitting it all over the floor and just eating the little peanut part and it was making a gigantic mess. And now all the kids are running around trying to pick up peanuts, competing with the dog who's making a mess with the peanuts. So crushed peanut shell was going absolutely everywhere. <laughs> Made the biggest mess ever. I had to bust out the broom to clean it up. <laughs> and unfortunately I couldn't find the dustpan anywhere because I had literally just swept up that morning after breakfast about an hour or two before everybody showed up. No clue where the heck I put the dustpan. So I just kept sweeping up this peanut mess into a corner <laughs> like repeatedly throughout the day because then that peanut mess in the corner somehow kept getting out of the corner and re-expanding all over the floor and I had to go back and contain it back into the corner. Another lesson learned. Know where the heck your dustpan is. After the high dive peanut game, we then did musical chairs because the kids are aged like two months all the way up to nine. So I had to come up with games that would work all age groups. We did musical chairs and this was a lot of fun until a little kid who had never played it before didn't get a chair. And then they cried <laughs> and they cried a lot. Luckily, I had prizes on hand to help cheer them up. Where did these prizes come from? I raided my regifting tub that I have hidden away. <laughs> Another point for sustainability. Woo woo. <laughs> and once the kids got their prize, they stopped crying. And then uh, we did not play any more rounds of musical chairs after that. We were done. <laughs> but I did get rid of a lot of the things that I didn't want anymore by giving them away as prizes. You can totally take that note out of my playbook. Since musical chairs was a flop, we then busted out a game called Hand and Foot Hopscotch. This is a game where you have an outline of your right hand and your left hand and outlines of your right foot and your left foot and you place them on the floor. So the outline of hands and feet are printed on paper and you place the paper on the floor kind of like you would do hopscotch. It's really kind of more like a mixture of twister and hopscotch. So the first row is going to have the left hand and both feet. Then you have to hop to the second row where you have both hands and the right foot. Then you hop to the third row, which has your left hand, your left foot, and your right hand. And each row changes, and the player has to keep hopping row to row, matching up their hands to the feet on the pictures on the ground. I do have laminate flooring, so I could have used chalk to draw it on, but decided that the kids would have chalk all over their hands, and it would have rubbed all of the chalk off, so the game wouldn't have lasted very long. 
plus the chalk all over their hands. Come on, they're kids. They're going to touch everything. So now I'm going to have to clean up the chalk off of the floor, off of the couch, off of the wall, off of the stairs, off of the table, off of the curtains. <laughs> and I didn't want to do that. So I opted not to do the chalk, although that would have been more sustainable. I did end up printing them on paper. And I was very torn on this because I was like, if I just put the paper down, once they hop on, it's gonna slide around and tear. And I want this game to last a while. So I did laminate the paper. So I've added plastic back in. So another point on not, <laughs> a point deducted from being sustainable. I did laminate them. And then again, they were still gonna slide around. So I had to tape them down. So this game, really wasn't as zero waste as I thought it was going to be until I was setting it up and then realized all of these things. So I did use duct tape and taped it down. And that held all of the hand and feet cards or whatever into place. I will admit, I am happy to share that this game was a huge hit. It definitely entertained all the children for like over 20 minutes. And then even the adults came out and started doing it. Yay me, big hit on that game. When we were all done at the end of the day after everybody had left, I just ripped up the cards off of the ground, pulled off the duct tape and saved them because I can definitely use these again for another party. The tape did end up in the trash, so I'm gonna have to figure out a new zero waste solution for the tape. At this point in the gathering, the adults were finally done cleaning up in the kitchen and then we could do family games. We did relay races. I know, that's always a great idea after everybody eats so much and their stomachs are really full and feel like exploding. Perfect for Thanksgiving. <laughs> We did a round of wheelbarrow races. So the kids were the wheelbarrows and had to walk around on their hands and the adults held their feet. My dining room and living room and kitchen are all connected together and make like one gigantic straight long line. So we just shoved everything over to the side so we had space. They started here in the kitchen. They had to go all the way down to the living room to I put toys out and made them like the cones that they had to go around and then come back to the finish line. We designed the wheelbarrow race to be a relay race. So mom took a kid down and back. Once they crossed the line, then dad took the other kid down and back. And we just kind of had to share some kids because at that point in time, my little guy was asleep. So I had to borrow a kid from another family. <laughs> but all worked out well. Everybody had a blast. After the wheelbarrow race, then we did a relay race of heel toe. So basically you're at the start line and then you have to take the heel of one foot and place it in front of the toe of the other foot. So you're walking heel to toe, heel to toe. So literally one foot right in front of the other, heel toe, heel toe. And you go as fast as you can, which worked out really great because it's basically like you're moving your legs as quickly as possible, but you're only going forward six inches at a time. And it was absolutely hysterical because everybody was literally wobbling like a turkey. <laughs> it was great and every age was able to participate. Once we were done with the family relay races, that was the end of the games. You want to play in some games, but not so many games that it takes forever. So we just did a handful of games. Most of them were for the kids and then the adults just did the last few at the tail end, but it was perfect. Then we finally got time to kind of sit down, relax and chit chat. I did ask all the guests what they thought about being zero waste for Friendsgiving and all the efforts that they put into it. And like I said at the beginning, these were not sustainably focused people, they kind of knew of sustainability, but they weren't real strong on it. And that's what was beautiful about it is that this gave them a chance to try and it gave me a chance to show them how to do it. And it was a whole team effort. So everybody was okay with mixing all their food on a plate and taking it out to the compost pile. 
everybody was okay with making food from scratch, which I think they would have done anyways. But you know what I mean? Like they made a dessert from scratch versus going to the store and buying a pre-made dessert all wrapped in plastic. And honestly, the store-bought desserts aren't that great. I think the homemade stuff is way better. Maybe I'm a sugar snob, I don't know, but I definitely love homemade desserts. Let me correct myself on that. Homemade everything is way better. They talked about how they used their reusable grocery bags when they went shopping, their reusable produce bags when they went shopping. You know, they cooked from scratch and made what they could as much as possible. I think both families did a wonderful job. They took it seriously and they did excellent. And they also gave me feedback that eating off of actual plates and using actual silverware and a cloth napkin was very, very nice compared to all the paper and plastic stuff. They were very happy to do that and help clean up. Don't think that you're weird <laughs> by offering the real stuff versus all of the really beautiful decorative but disposable stuff. Eventually it was time for everyone to leave and head back home. And as they were packing up, remember everybody packed up all of their food already in their Tupperware that they brought. So they have all the leftovers and there's definitely a bunch of chicken and pulled pork leftover. And we gifted everybody a jar of our homemade barbecue sauce that I made a while back. That way they could eat it with their meals going forward. And that's when I realized that when I give away canned food items with the reusable canning lids that I was so excited to get, I may not get those back. <laughs> also, whoever gets them may or may not know that they are a reusable lid. So I definitely pointed out that's a reusable lid. You can reuse it. And if you're not going to, it's okay to give me the jar and the lid back. I'll be happy to fill it up again with something delicious next time around. But I was like, please don't throw those away. Do keep that in mind for the next time that you can food, if you're using the reusable lids, and if you're planning on giving the food away, maybe have a couple of the disposable lids or at least explain it to the person that it's a reusable lid and to give it back. I'm not quite sure the proper social etiquette way to, to go about that. And the last thing I want to note on was that the composting facility that I was going to on Saturdays, they are now closed. They were only open from Memorial Day to Labor Day. So they now are officially closed on the weekends for the fall and winter. So I am now attempting to start composting at my house. I have two garden beds. One successfully has grown a ton of lettuce out the wazoo. And the other one, everything died. It all got eaten by something. It just completely died. That one has now become the new compost pile, doing like my own little version of the trench composting that David Guyon had talked about. And we have been putting things out there for a while now, like eggshells and banana peels, orange peels, with no problems at all. But after Friendsgiving, a lot of food went out there. And at every single chance he gets, my dog Ruger goes out there and tries to eat it. I didn't really think that part through. So, <laughs> so now I'm not really sure how I feel about this composting thing because I really don't want my dog out there eating it all because that's just going to make him sick. <laughs> and the worst part is, as my friends were over there, they were asking, are you sure we can put all this in the compost? Your dog's not going to get it. I was like, no, he's left the compost alone up until this point. But now there's really, really good food out there and he's totally not leaving it alone. So they were completely right. I guess I'm just going to have to get a whole bunch of dirt and leaves and like actually bury it. But he may dig it up. So if anybody out there in Sustainer Nation has a compost and a dog and have navigated this, please tell me what to do because I'm kind of at a loss and I really don't want to stop composting. But I'm not sure what to do going forward. I don't want him getting sick. 
<laughs> please reach out to me. There are many, many ways to do this. You can send me an email, which is kaylin at startingsustainability.com. And you spell my name K-A-Y-L-I-N. So you can do that. You can also go to the Facebook group and you can send me a direct message there. You can also go onto Instagram and send a message that way. There's plenty of ways that you can do that. So just reach out to me and let me know. That would be fantastic. In the end, Friendsgiving was a lot of fun. We definitely had some hit and miss in terms of being sustainable and zero waste. There was still some waste. We didn't hit the zero part, but there was significantly less waste than if we would not have mentioned zero waste or even tried to focus on sustainability. So even though we weren't 100% there, we still did a lot of good. We reduced a lot of waste, we educated some people, and most importantly, we had a wonderful time with friends as well. All the kids were tuckered out and they slept the whole way home. My kids definitely conked out as soon as everybody left. It was a really wonderful day. If you are planning on hosting your own Friendsgiving or the actual Thanksgiving that's coming up next week or any type of holiday parties between now and I guess New Year's, I think that's kind of like the end of the holiday season. If Halloween is the kickoff, I think New Year's is the end (laughs) because then you get a nice break until Valentine's Day. But my point is, if you're hosting any parties, really any parties at all, it doesn't have to be holiday themed, but any parties at all, you can do it sustainably and you just have to let people know what's going on and just walk them through the process. It is now time for the weekly challenge and I'm going to draw my card. Let's see what we have. It says, make the switch to bars of soap instead of liquid hand soap and shower gels to cut down on your plastic consumption. That is a very, very easy one. That is one of the first things that I did when I started switching to sustainability, switching to bars of soap. And that's when I discovered it's not just hand soap and body wash. You've got bars for shampoo and conditioner. You have bars for shaving cream. There are even lotion bars. There are bars everywhere for all sorts of things. Go ahead and start doing that because it is very sustainable. Not to mention, it's usually cheaper and it lasts way longer. That is an extremely easy weekly challenge. Everybody can do that and keep that in mind because now it is gift giving season and I think giving bars of soap would be wonderful. Next week on the show, I am going to attempt to cover the largest environmental disaster in American history. Do you know what it is? (laughs) Another fun trivia time for you. (laughs) That would be Deepwater Horizon. That was the really ugly, nasty oil spill off of the coast of Texas about 11 years ago. That happened April 20th, 2010. Come back next week to hear what went wrong. And in the meantime, I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving and a great rest of your week. Continue to stay sustainable, and I will talk to you all next time. Bye. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? That ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org, E-T-H-Y-K.org.